Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. You haven't an idea until it gets underway. For those who are not here, paint as good a picture as you can. A grain of rice is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. A grain of rice. Just, I just, because I love this county so much, you know. And that's it. It is all over. It is just not meant to be. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Allianz. For our league preview, I caught up with Joe Brawley and I started off by asking him about the Dublin versus Galway league final and in particular, Paddy Talley's influence with Galway and how he's made them more defensively sound. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't leave the legacy in Galway when he left in Derry. He, uh, he came to Derry, he turned us into a throwing style defensive unit with uh, 13 players behind the 45. Uh, half of the team were instructed not to shoot. Uh, we became extremely robotic. We lost all our flair, and uh, players very quickly became disenchanted. And we've very quickly gone from division four, three, two. We've, we've dropped down through the divisions, and now we're um, we're in division four, and um, getting ready to go play London. Well, he's getting year. a lot of praise though for what he's so, do- doing now. I, I yeah, well, you know, and look, went in the winter time, those very solid defensive units can perform well and particularly Galway look as though they've done a lot of work on that and you're playing in winter conditions and that can work for you there's no doubt but what we've learned over the last four five six years in high summer is that it doesn't work Galway have always been defensive under Kevin Walsh and we've seen how they've fallen apart in midsummer. now this team looks much better I have to say but You've got to get the balance right. We saw that last year whenever Dublin played Tyrone. You must have the balance right between defence and attack. And you do not have the balance right whenever you do not have men ahead of the ball. You must have men ahead of the ball. And Galway are continuously, if they turn the ball over, they're waiting for the cavalry coming from behind. I mean, I saw that on umpteen occasions in Salt Hill. At one stage in the first half, and the game was set for an upset, you know, the there was an unbelievable gale blowing down the pitch in Galway's favour, and yet they continued to retreat into the 1-13-1 formation inside their own 45, and that allowed Dublin to hold the ball for long stretches of Galway's valuable time. So at one stage, I, I timed Dublin probing for four minutes and 12 seconds. I mean, and when Galway did win the ball then, they they had to solo the ball out and carry it out, hand pass it backwards. And the scores they got in the first half all came from either freeze or very long-range points kicked with the assistance of the Gale. 
the game was undeniably exciting, you know. But Galway were lucky to salvage a draw in the end against really a Dublin B team, and uh, with the man with the man sent with, off. Don't with, forget Dean. With Rock their players like Damien Comer, with Brannigan, with Shane Walsh, like if they do get the balance right, surely they do have the firepower that they can, oh, yeah. they could trouble top teams. I, I I agree. They have a lot of very good players and a lot of very talented forwards. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you a snapshot of that. Damien Comer came on. And he scored a, a very, very, very good point. He just solo ran up the field. It was a total solo effort. And he kicked the point, a mighty point against the wind. This was maybe with 15 minutes to go. For the rest of the game, he was in his own half-back line. Himself and Burke. I mean, they had Sean Armstrong on the pitch, but they might as well have given him a, an armchair to sit on. Eventually, they took him off uh, to let someone else sort of sit on the armchair on their own in the full forward line. So... You know, they played very, very tough football and very aggressively. Very, But all of it was defensive. The vast majority of it was defensive for those reasons. And the trick for them now will be to get the balance right. Because I do, I mean, they are a formidable team. But, um, you know, they will not be able to succeed playing that way in Croke Park. I mean, we know that to be true. But you'd like to think with some of the big scalps they've taken in this league that they have maybe moved on from the kind of hidings they got over the last couple of years in Croker. So, you know, the, 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 the risk always is this, and we've seen it's a long-term legacy and it's been very difficult for the new manager this year to try and get the boys to kick the ball and to get ahead of the ball. They're afraid to play that way, and we're, not, we're a total mess because there's indecision and, you know, there's uncertainty, and boys are not used to playing Gaelic football. So, you know, and that's, that's a big worry because Galway now have a very ingrained defensive system which involves carrying the ball out of the defence on the counter. And no doubt they have some very good ball carriers. But but so have Tyrone over the last five years. And I heard it over the last five years, that, oh, Tyrone don't have the forwards. But that's, of course, a fallacy. If you don't put forwards into attacking positions and give them the ball to their advantage, then you're not going to develop them and no one's going to see whether you've got good forwards or not. But the proof is in the pudding. Look at... Look at what has happened to Tyrone now in the latter part of the league as they've started to move to a more balanced system. You know, Lee Brennan's playing. Cal McShane looks great. All of a sudden, Sludden looks a different player. And we see the myth that Tyrone out of forwards being exposed. So it's all about that balance. Just on their opponents, Dublin, I'd be interested to get your opinion on what's happening with Dermot Connolly at the moment. Like He hasn't really been seen from at all during the league period. And Jim Gavin is claiming that he's been resting him, but... It, it's hard to kind of see what he's resting him from because he hasn't played much football. Well, I'll give you my I'll give you my theory. Mm. If you if uh, this is my theory, um, that the wing forward on the Dublin team has now been asked to perform a particular role up and down the sideline. He's to stay on the sideline, and you'll notice they hug the touchline and they play up and down the touchline. And uh, I think that Jim has made it pretty clear that he wants Conor Callaghan as his number eleven. You know, and he can. You know, there there are good reasons. Like there are pros and cons for himself or Dermot at number eleven. Um, I think Dermot would be quite happy to play at number ten, so long as he was given a free role. But my reading is that uh, he will feel that role is too confined for him. Dermot's a free spirit. We see the way he plays rather than football. You know, he loves to play for his club. He really misses a club game in either code. And I would. My suspicion is that that's. The problem. And would that be wrong of Jim Gavin, do you think? Well, it's not that it's wrong of Jim Gavin. I mean, you know... The, well, they uh, needed him to turn the final last year. 
the, the well, I, I think that's correct, and I think that he he you know played a very. I mean, look, he's a brilliant footballer, and all of that. I mean, he's got a big game temperament, and he is ice ice cool, and his I mean his his uh, achievements have been stunning, really, by any normal standards. Uh, but you know, that's really not the way Tim Gavin works. I mean, Jim wants. You know, the character of the boys has to be right, and um, you know that includes, if necessary, playing for the good of the team and sacrificing your own sort of individual aspirations for what you want to achieve on the field. I mean, he does that within limits, and I think the Dublin squad are very, very good at facilitating self-expression alongside, you know, the team ethic. But that's my suspicion, anyway. Um, you know. There, there are all sorts of theories going around, but it seems to me that that, that might well be the, 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 the reality of um, it. And just on the Division 2 final, I know Kevin Roscommon both, you know, got relegated last year and then come straight back up. What have you made of them? Do you think do you think they've shown signs of progress that they could have good summers? Well, well, I mean, Kevin had been playing very negative football whenever Matt McLean came in, you know, part of that drone sort of conveyor belt of coaches. And they, they uh, had ground out very low scoring um, results last year. You know they'd lost narrowly, and they'd, but but at the end of the season, tellingly, ten, ten of that squad left. They just said we've had enough, and there was a great concern in Cavan. You know, a couple of my mates from Kingscourt and from Butler's Bridge that I was in contact with. We'd had we'd gone for a few pints, so they were saying that you know that the current crop they're just far too young. There's plenty of talent, but in fact they've been brilliant, and. Um, now, now, how how long you can survive in a regime like that? Probably a couple or three years before there's just nothing left. But you know they've done very very well. And Roscommon, on the other hand, very benign regime, very sensible, no overtraining, you know, playing football. The emphasis on football, the emphasis on fun, and the football and adventure. And I mean, in fairness, Kevin has stuck to his principles with that, and they're a very very happy bunch. I'm always delighted to see Roscommon doing well because um, I've always been made so welcome in Roscommon and they're, 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 they're such a generous spirit. And they, obviously they drew with Mayo in the championship last year. Is there any sign that they could, you know, threaten some of the top teams and get into the top three, maybe five teams even? Well, I think that that top group is, is an elite group. I have to say, you know, as the league has progressed, you know, I think that you'd have to say that Tyrone have moved back into that mm. group again. Um, I think that you're, you know, there are always question marks over Mayo at this time of year, but don't forget that Mayo are a, an All-Ireland team and that's what they gear themselves towards. Um, and, you know, they have been all over the place and look very, very poor, but I tell you, they've looked better this year than they did this time last year. So you'd have to say, look, that Mayo are still there, albeit that it's hard to see them making that breakthrough. I mean, the, the real, the real issue, as always, depends on where the dubs are at. Now they look very, very healthy, and when they've had to do it during the league at times, they've looked fantastic. They've obviously put out a sort of a, a shadow team over the last two games, um, but yet and all, because of their mixture of their ability, their footballing abilities, 
their their pedigree, their absolute confidence, the excellence of their management, and the fact that as as was I think conspicuous in the Salt Hill game, which was a bitter bitter day to play football, they they play harder than everybody else. You know, Cooper and Kilkenny both went for suicide balls that day, and I mean people gasped as they went into the collision, you know, but won the ball on each occasion and and came out unscathed. But it's just that absolute commitment and uh, that marks them out. And we'll, we'll get a look at them on Sunday. I know they're not particularly fussed in the league, but I think they will have been stung by Galway's quite proper, very, very aggressive approach uh, in Salt Hill and all of the malaise that happened there. And I think that um, they will have the bit between their teeth. So I'm really looking uh, forward to it. And I've got two good tickets. And I've got two good tickets. And, <laughs> and um, I'm just... Beside beside Tom Ryan, the new director general. <laughs> well, what have you made of his appointment? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not making any <laughs> comment on that. <laughs> okay, well then, just a, a word on the Division Three and Four finals before I let you go, Joe. It's obviously it's Armagh versus Fermanagh, Rory Gallagher and Kieran McGinley getting their sides promoted, and then Carlo, which was one of the stories of the league getting promoted yeah. as well. Like out of those teams, well, I mean, one of the stories of the league, look, you know, to me, like Carlo were playing abysmal defensive football. And obviously there's great joy in Carlo and all of that, but they've been promoted and uh, they're meeting Derry on the way down, you know, so I can't really be on my high horse. You know you know the old song that the Tyrone fans always sing, there's no London in Tyrone. Well, you know, somebody said to me this week, there's no London in Derry, but Derry will soon be in London. Well, so you, well, so you're, yeah, you, would you, so you take issue with Carlo's Carl- style of football, even for a county that hasn't had much success? Oh, I mean, it's horrific. It's horrific stuff. I mean, and you look at look at them against Leash at the weekend. Over seventy five minutes, they scored one point from play with uh, with that one thirteen one formation. And uh, you know, and that's the problem. You know, you've got um, boys like that fellow Stephen Poacher from Down. You know, whose whose teams invariably play in that horrific way, and. Uh, He's now he's now become sort of quite a cult figure on the coaching circuit. And, well, I know he uh, seems to have had a disagreement with you. <laughs> no, no, well, it's not a question of that. I mean, look, I, I he asked he invited me down to present medals at his club, and I went, of course, and uh, had great fun at the night, and uh, and all of that. But that's a different matter. I mean, this is my uh, critique of this style of play and how it damages the game, and. You know, there's a, there's a classic example of a team that have no attack defence balance. You can sit back and defend and defend on the ropes. And in Division Four, what you play in Leitrim, London, you know, Antrim, you know, they had a narrow win over Antrim. You know, they had a couple of close saves. They were beaten by Leash, having scored one point from play in 75 minutes. I mean, you know, I guess it's a trade, a bit of a trade off. Like if you haven't had much success, what's the point of it? Actually, Carlo, Carlo have plenty of good footballers. So, you know, they need to get the balance right. And uh, you know, if they do, I think they'd be able to. They would be able to survive in Division Three next year. Um, and there I, you are. And a last word on Armagh for Manor. Uh, you know, for Armagh were one of the, I suppose, better footballing teams in the in the latter stage of the championship last year before they played Tyrone and, and were heavily beaten. But is, it, would you be, would you think they'd be able to kick on again this year? I know they have lost a couple of players, but they. Well, I think I think there's there's, you know, Armagh do heavy heavy training. You know, it's a Kieran it's a Kieran McGinley regime, and so you know you ring a lot out of the players. You get a revolving door at the end of the season as you had last year. I mean, he's got, I mean. He's got, you know, practically a new team again this year, and uh, no, they've done well. They've done really. They've done very well in the difficult division, um, and they have, in fairness, continued to try to play football. They have continued to try to play football, 
And uh, but I mean, there are two or three across McLean boys who, if they had them, you know, they would certainly make a difference. But you know, I, I mean, and as for Fermana, I mean, I, I, I know on good authority that since the end of October last year, they've been training six nights a week, six nights a week under Rory Gallagher. So another a very very punishing regime. You can only withstand for a while. You know, they'll be delighted that they've been promoted, but. Um, I mean, if we were playing in the back garden, you'd, you'd close the curtains, you know. Ciao, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. That's all we have time for this week on The Throw, and we'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the league final action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.